Bitcoin whales accumulated over a hundred and twenty-two thousand Bitcoin amid the latest market mayhem. Because you know Bitcoin's been kind of going a little bit insane. So let's get into this quick story. So large Bitcoin holders appear to be aggressively buying the dip amid the latest price correction, raising optimism that the coordinated sell-off could be about to end. Using data from Glassnode, Morgan Creek Digital's Anthony Pompliano recently concluded that the so-called Bitcoin whales, entities who hold between 10,000 and 100,000 Bitcoin, purchased 122,588 Bitcoin during the height of the market crash on Wednesday. Much of the foot traffic to crypto exchanges came from the United States, as evidenced by Coinbase's $3,000 Bitcoin premium at one point. Now, crypto hedge funds interviewed by Bloomberg have also reiterated that they were, in fact, dip buyers. MVPQ Capital and Byte Tree Asset Management both based in London, along with Singapore's Three Arrows Capital, all bought the dip. Kyle Davies, co-founder at Three Arrows Capital, told Bloomberg, People that were borrowing money to invest, they were wiped from the system. Every time we see massive liquidation as a chance to buy, I wouldn't be surprised if Bitcoin and Ethereum retraced the entire drop in a week. And as Cointelegraph recently reported, at least one prominent whale who sold Bitcoin at a price of $58,000 has not only reaccumulated but added to their holdings. The unknown entity sold 3,000 Bitcoin on May 9th before buying back 3,521 Bitcoin in three separate trades on May 15th, 18th, and 19th. The Bitcoin price languished between $32,000 on Sunday as traders continued to test the limits of a new bearish range. And the largest cryptocurrency by market cap briefly fell below $30,000 on Wednesday, a level that appeared highly unlikely to ever be penetrated again, before quickly shooting back up to $37,000. However, overhead resistance has limited Bitcoin's rally to no greater than $42,000. So this is a pretty interesting thing, especially, look, if you look at the basically current, you know, price pretty much of Bitcoin is about 35,503. Now, the crypto markets are pretty interesting if like everything's been on a crash, right? But the thing is the crypto markets are so weird in the sense that they can fluctuate to such high degrees that for an emotional trader, you can lose everything. And what I mean by that is that if you want to get involved into cryptocurrency, right? You can only put money in there that you're basically willing to lose, right? Like basically, say you want to play the lottery, right? Now, it's not necessarily the same thing as playing the lottery, but let's say that you were to play a lottery and let's say like you're going to try to play the Powerball or the Mega Millions, right? Which is the main lotteries in main national lotteries in the United States. If you're going to do that, the right way to play that type of game when you know you have such a small chance of making, like of actually winning, right, is by using money that when you spend money to buy a ticket, you already assume that that money's already gone. 
right? Like it's, you get to put money that will literally have no effect on your daily life in it, right? The problem is some people tend to win here and there when they make a bet and might actually win, right? Like, you know, someone who might play the lottery the first time, just like $1 bill, might end up getting like a winning of like $100 or $1,000 on their very first time. And now they get hooked to it. And now they're spending hundreds of dollars a month that they can't afford to pay when they should have been paying that to pay down their debt or, you know, put into investments or buy themselves food. As an example, there was this one person that I saw randomly when I was spending time with my dad when I was a lot younger. And my dad would like get a, like a lottery ticket. And it was like a cheap lottery ticket, like $2 or something like that. But we had a conversation with the lady who sold the lottery tickets in like, you know, the counter area. And she was like telling a story of how every month on the first of every month, this same guy would go there, cash his whole social security check, the whole thing, and then put everything into scratch off tickets, right? That is not what you should do. Right, like you should never do something like that, where you put basically all of your money into something that's, for the most part, a bet. Right now, technically, you know, some people will view that Bitcoin is, you know, a store of value for the future and all that kind of stuff. That very well might be the case, but that doesn't change the fact that the prices of these cryptocurrencies fluctuate to such a high degree that if you are emotional. If you're someone that can re- like that will tend to react to someone. If you're someone who will like will react to something when someone basically calls you a name. If you're someone who will liquidate their 401k or their Roth IRA when you know the stock market crashed right back you know a year ago when COVID became a thing. Like if you're that type of person, you have to be extremely careful when you get involved in this stuff, right? Like you, it might actually be better to not even get involved into this thing. But if you were to get involved into this thing, and this is for anyone, if anyone were to actually get involved into cryptocurrency, whether it be any cryptocurrency, whether it be Bitcoin, Ethereum, XRP, you know, Bitcoin Cash, Doge, the meme coin, whoever it is, whatever it is, right? Only use money that you are willing to lose, right? That's the thing that you really got to think about. You got to be careful with how you put your money. You got to be careful of any people in comment sections on social media or all that kind of stuff, right? You do not want your money to be stolen. You want your money to potentially be invested into something that you believe could be worthwhile in the future, right? So always do your research on these cryptocurrencies. Always Make sure you do everything that you can so that you're not going to screw up somewhere, right? Because if you are emotional in any way, this can get really bad. So just keep that in mind. I mean, just think about it, right? XRP, an 18% drop. EOS, 18% drop. BCH, nearly 15% drop. Doge, 13% drop. Which, by the way, you know, all that story is about that Dogecoin millionaire. He really should have sold it when it was like 70-something cents because he could have pretty much pocketed almost $3 million. But, you know, that's what happens when you stick 
too uh, when you're too stubborn in something like that, right? Like the whole point of like if you were to like be like an investor or a trader, all that kind of stuff, right? One, you should do it for long term, or you should be willing to take the profits when they come in, right? And you need to take the losses immediately so that you could just cut your losses and then all that kind of stuff, right? So just be careful, be smart, only use money that you are willing to lose and that you not only basically view it as like you're going to lose it, right? Because that will give you a peace of mind so that whatever happens, like when you see things like drop like nearly 18% or 7% in like a single day, you're not too freaked out and you basically don't even care. Because our point of view of thinking when it comes to like investing in that kind of stuff is to be very laid back and hands off. Because you don't want to be stressing every single day, every single hour, every single minute like a day trader. You want to be thinking more so along the lines of, okay, I want to put my money consistently into investments that I believe and grow that over time so that by the time I retire, I could actually utilize it if I need to, right? That's the whole point of you know investing is so that you have money in the future that can be used to take care of yourself. Because here's the thing, not everyone has like a family member that would be willing to take care of them when they're older. Some of them, like some people might just be completely alone and they might not be able to protect themselves. And so investing properly and consistently can get you to a point where you can at least take care of yourself because, you know, no one wants to be like alone in life in their later years and then not be able to survive, right? Like that's just a sad situation. But stay tuned for more finance-related news topics. And if you want to learn how to master your money, go down below and learn how to master your money regardless of the income that you make. And go over how you can have $100,000 in annual tax-free income during retirement. And this article is written by CNBC from a person called Sarah O'Brien. So let's get into this uh, article. So it's a sure bet that no one, regardless of age, enjoys handing over any of their income to the IRS. In retirement, though, doing so can feel like even more of a sting. Assuming you've left work earnings entirely behind you, any amount owed to Uncle Sam comes from your retirement income and savings, both of which also are expected to fund your golden years for oh, another two or even three decades. The good news is that there are strategies to reduce what you end up paying in federal and perhaps state taxes, which of course translates into more money staying with you. But getting there can involve some work. To generate on a regular basis tax-free income over a long period of time, you have to put a lot of planning in place, said certified financial planner Avani Ramnani, director of financial planning and wealth management at Francis Financial in New York. For perspective, if you want your retirement savings to generate $100,000 a year in tax-free retirement income, and you want to adhere to the 4% per year withdrawal rule, in general, a rate that would make your money last for at least 30 years, you'd need at least a $2.5 million portfolio. Of course, your own annual cash flow needs may be higher or lower than $100,000, 
and you may need to employ a combination of strategies depending on the particulars of your situation. So a Roth account. If you can save money in a Roth version of an individual retirement account or 401k plan, you can set yourself up for a pretty straightforward way to get tax-free income. While your contributions are not tax-deductible as they may be with a traditional IRA or 401k, distributions made after age 59 and a half are generally tax-free. Now, the best way to end up with tax-free income is to pay the taxes first, and the best way to do that is to contribute to a Roth account throughout your working years, said CFP George Galliardi, founder of Corolla Mandel Wealth Management in Lexington, Massachusetts. So the maximum you can contribute to a year in a year to a Roth IRA is $6,000, but $7,000 if you're age 50 or older. However, that amount starts phasing out at income of $125,000 for a single taxpayer and $198,000 for married couples filing a joint tax return and disappears at income of $140,000 for singles and $208,000 for couples. So Roth 401k accounts are more generous. There's no income cap and you can contribute up to $19,500 in 2021 plus another $6,500 if you're age 50 or older. Now, there are ways to get around the Roth IRA income cap. For instance, you could contribute to a traditional IRA and then convert the money to a Roth, and there could be taxes owed on the conversion, but you would pay no tax on distributions down the road. Health Savings Account If you have access to a health savings account, which can only be paired with a high-deductible health plan, it can be used as a way to plan for some tax-free income in retirement. Unlike with a similarly named health flexible spending account, you don't have to spend HSA money within a certain time frame. HSA contributions are tax deductible, gains in the account grow tax-free, and withdrawals used to pay for qualified medical expenses are also tax-free and penalty-free. And at age 65, withdrawals can go toward anything without paying a penalty, although if the money is used for non-medical expenses, it would be subject to tax. You can also contribute $3,600 to an HSA in 2021, $7,200 for family coverage. If you're age 55 or older, you can put in an extra $1,000. And then there's municipal bonds. These bonds are issued by states, counties, cities, and the like to fund public projects. And the interest you earn on so-called munis is generally not subject to federal tax. So if the bond is issued in your state of residence, it also may be tax-free at the state level as well. However, if you buy munis for a state you don't live in, you'd have to pay state income tax for those, said Ramnani at Francis Financial. So for example, if you live in New York and you buy bonds issued in California, you still have to pay state income tax on them, Ramnani said. There also may be certain instances in which munis are subject to federal taxation, so it's important to know before assuming your earnings are tax-free. And then you could capitalize on long-term capital gains rates. Any gain on any investment held for more than a year is considered long-term and is generally taxed as such. Otherwise, it's taxed as ordinary income. The same goes for qualified dividends. For long-term gains, the tax rate depends on your income. And if you are a single tax filer with up to $40,000 in income, $80,000 for married couples filing jointly, the rate is 0%. So if you can keep your income below those thresholds, those gains can be tax-free income. Keep in mind, though, that taxes are just one consideration when it comes to any investment strategies in retirement. 
Now you also have to think about portfolio allocation. Ramnani said, "Are you allocated in a way that is well diversified and in line with your risk tolerance and goals? There can be competing objectives or considerations, and then there's life insurance or annuities." While permanent life insurance policies generally come with much higher premiums than term life insurance, part of the reason for that is the savings aspect of these policies. Now, the idea is that you pay those high premiums, and some of it goes to the insurance piece, and the other part goes into a saving and investment bucket. And depending on the specifics, these so-called cash value life insurance policies can be used to produce retirement income that is not subject to taxes. Says CFP Michael Resnick, senior wealth management advisor for. GCG Financial in Deerfield, Illinois. Now, our view on life insurance is that typically ter- term life insurance would usually be the better choice, just because it's very expensive for whole life compared to term life, right? Especially for what kind of money you're actually getting, and I believe in the first three to five years, depending on the terms of the whole life. The three to five years amounts that you're paying into it, I believe, only go straight into the insurance company's pockets, which is pretty disturbing. But there is some additional complexity with when distributing, so care should be taken. Says similarly, annuities can provide an income stream in retirement. If you use after-tax money to fund one, just the interest is taxable, generally speaking. However, there are many different types of annuities, and they can be more expensive than other income stream options. And once you give your money to the insurance company that sold you the annuity, it can be hard to give it back, get it back after a short. Review period. So, depending on the contract, you could pay what's called a surrender charge if you no longer want the annuity or withdraw more from it than allowed. That fee can be pretty steep, especially in the early years of the contract. Now, what about Social Security? Depending on how much you receive from Social Security and your other income, your benefits may be subject to tax. Yet, you may still be able to owe little to nothing to Uncle Sam. The calculation basically involves adding one half of your benefits to your adjusted gross income, as well as non-taxable interest, i.e., muni bonds. If that amount is twenty-five thousand dollars to thirty-four thousand dollars for a single tax filer, thirty-two thousand to forty-four thousand dollars for married couples filing jointly, then fifty percent is taxable. Below that range of income, it's not taxed, and if it's above those amounts, eighty-five percent is taxable. However, even if the calculation results in an amount that is subject to tax, you'd still get to subtract the standard deduction, twelve thousand five hundred fifty for singles, twenty-five thousand one hundred for married couples in twenty twenty-one, and from that, and if you're at least age sixty-five, you get a bigger standard deduction, an extra seventeen hundred dollars for single filers, and thirteen fifty per person for married couples. In other words, your deduction or deductions may bring your actual tax burden down to zero or close to it. If you do have income that's taxed and other stuff, there are of course other sources of income that could come your way in retirement and not be subject to taxes. For instance, if you get divorced, alimony, spousal support is not taxable to the recipient if the divorce occurred after 2018. Also, if you receive a gift from, say, your parents, it is not taxable to you. Same goes for life insurance proceeds if you are the beneficiary on the policy. And any gain on the sale of your primary home generally comes with an exclusion. Up to two hundred fifty thousand dollars is exempt if you are a single tax filer, and five hundred thousand dollars for married couples filing jointly. So feel free to give your thoughts on this situation. If you want to learn how to master your money, go down below and learn how to master your money in a very simple and easy to follow path. But 
yeah, this was a pretty good article. I agree with a lot of it. A lot of people would agree with a lot of it. CMB is pretty good at what they do. And we'll see you in future episodes. Stay tuned for more financial-related content.